0: Welcome back to Around the 412. I'm Tyler, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you're finding this podcast. Be sure to give us a follow on the channel and leave us a rating if that's possible. Also, go subscribe on our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow that up, post as many videos, try to get some more content out there as we can. Also... Christmas time is ramping up, people. its I know we're not even at Halloween yet, but it is getting closer and closer as the days go on. And we've got a couple GoFundMes to talk about just for a second. The first one is our GoFundMe, Rockin' Around the 412, Year 5. It is the pin tweet on our Twitter. It can also look in the description of all the shows, wherever you're listening. It's, the link will be there. Or you can go directly to GoFundMe.com and type in Rockin' Around the 412, and it will... Show up. It's our Christmas fundraiser where you guys donate some money. We get a lot of gifts for tons of kids, basically, whatever they want. Also, provide a gift card for a Christmas meal for the parents. And in addition to you donating, you have a chance to win some prizes, which I saw Smitty tweet out some of those prizes today as of recording this Mm -hmm. it looked like a couple jerseys a signed football so some good stuff but yeah we you donate at the gofundme you have a chance to win some prizes so that's rocking around the 412 again it's the pin tweet on twitter it'll be in the link in the descriptions and you can go to gofundme.com and directly and search it and as well one of the recipients to go our our gofundme is going to be isla keen who tragically about a month ago now or close to it her father passed away uh and and so there's a GoFundMe for Isla, her future fund, I guess. It, it, it's called Isla King's Future, and it's it's for her future as well. But right now, I don't know what it is at right currently. Right now, I, mean, I know it was close over, to
1: thirty three thousand.
0: Okay, I knew it was it was over thirty thousand, which is awesome to see. Trying to mm-hmm. put that out there still as much as we can. So if you want to go check that out, it's it's called Isla Keen's Future. You can go. Search it on Twitter. I mean, a lot of us has tweeted it out. You can also go to gofummy.com and search Isla King's Future and Oz as, as well as our GoFummy Rock Around the 412. It'll also be in the description of all the shows and on YouTube as well. So you can go check out th- those out and read all about them.
1: Yeah. Um, I wanted to give a shout out uh, to somebody. So you mentioned that I put up a picture of, of some of the prizes. Uh, and, and there's going to be a bunch more. I'm probably going to do like tickets of some sort as well. I know something that you always like to do is pens, tickets. So mm-hmm. there's going to be tickets involved as well. But there's going to be way more signed memorabilia too. Um, yeah. So right now, um, for sure, in a way, Cam Hayward jersey, uh, an alternate, the gold, Jake Denzel jersey, in uh, a way, Brian Dumoulin jersey. And then there's a football. Uh, so the football is signed by Gunnar Oshesky which I know people are going to be like, oh, God, like when we got this guy, when we brought this guy in, I think that we were both like, oh, man, this guy was like an all pro, you know, for the Patriots. So like we were pretty excited about it. So the story behind this is if you guys know – Kim Flanders, you know her son Jeffrey. We interact with him all the time. They're pretty popular on Twitter. Jeffrey's one of the best. Everybody knows Jeffrey. Got a bunch of birthday gifts sent to him from Twitter. He's one of the most popular people on Steelers Twitter without even being on Steelers Twitter himself. Um, So she was she was at training camp and she was getting stuff signed. She's actually the one that sent me this football to use as a prize, which I thought was awesome. So she sent me a note along with the football, which I am I just looked at for the first time um, when I when I opened this thing up to take a picture. To put on Twitter. She just said, Zach and Tyler, thanks for all you do for rocking around the 412 for our family, sp- specifically Jeffrey from the 814 Hart, Kimmy, and Jay. And then she said, here we go, Steelers. Um, you know, I, I keep stuff like this all the time. I mean, anytime, like Zach from Pittsburgh Clothing Company, stuff that I like buy from him just for sp- supporting local business. He'll send me like a little message that just says like best podcast in Pittsburgh. Appreciate you lying to me, by the way, uh, in the note that you send me. But like anything like this, it just means so much to me. The fact that she would think of us in uh, the mission to send us that. So I know that, like, everybody doesn't view Gunnar Osheski in a very high light right now. But, hey, especially with what we're going to talk about later in the show with Calvin Austin not going to be back this year, maybe Gunnar Osheski is safe on the football team this year. So could still be around because there was a point in time where I was like, oh, this guy's not going to be on the roster at Christmas. So this kind of stinks. But either way, the, the fact that she thought of us to send us this uh, is absolutely awesome. It's an autographed football. I know somebody will be happy to have it. So yeah, shout out sure. to Kimmy. And shout out to everybody that's going to donate. You have to donate at least $10 to be eligible to win any of the prizes. But there's going to be, so far, you know, three jerseys that are not autographed, so they would be ones that you wear that autographed football. There's going to be a bunch more autographed memorabilia and probably some game tickets um, for the Steelers and, and Penguins as well. So a lot of cool stuff. Like Tyler mentioned, the link will be in the description of this. It's also our pinned tweet on Twitter. Or if you're not on Twitter, just search. Uh, Rock around the 412 on GoFundMe. Also, yes, Isla Keen's Future Fund. I also want to give a shout out. This has nothing to do with us at all, but I wanted to bring up shout out to, we've mentioned them on here before. We've done actually like, if you are an OG around the 412 listener, you listen when we did a live show at Whiskey Rhythm. Whiskey Rhythm, unprompted. Nobody mentioned to them anything about this. They hosted an event gave them the space and also made a bunch of food for a benefit for Dalton this past Saturday. um, So that all of his um, workers that he worked with, the steam fitters union would be able to come and just celebrate his life. Dalton's family was there as well. Isla was there as well. So I got to see her for like the second time ever. Um, So that was really cool. And, you know, I just thought it was a, a great celebration of his life. It was exactly how Dalton would want it. I was, it was nice to see, you know, his two families, the Steamfitters Union, as well as his real family, um, come together to celebrate his life. So, shout out to to Brian and Ace and Whiskey Rhythm for doing that as well. Again, if you've listened to us going back to like 2017, you've heard about Whiskey Rhythm before. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a, definitely a throwback.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mentioned, we did some live shows from there that would be like two plus hours long, just having all of our friends come on and yeah uh so shout out to them shout out to everybody The first Uh,
0: non-sports topic i think we ever did was talking about the army with christian shout out to Keith. that might have been the best
1: segment of on this show to date so could be (laughs) uh all right so let's talk about the steelers now i mentioned uh, the steelers aren't going to have calvin austin moving forward um you know what hey shout out to jerry dulac for riding my coattails and putting out the report like three hours later of uh, the information (laughs) that i put out with him suffering a setback Um, no one, I don't think really wanted to believe me on it. I had two people reply and say, that's not the case. They just don't know how to use them in the offense. I know what Matt Canada said about that. And I know that I I didn't understand the statement at all. I think it may have been like just poor wording on his part or misconstrued. There was a lot of that, I think too. Um, that is not the reason that he's not going to be playing football for the Steelers this year. And I think that that was a very odd thing for people to think anyway. Um yeah, I'm trying to wrap would've... my
0: head around that. We don't know how to implement this guy into our offense, so we're just going to sit him out for the season, our fourth round draft pick. Yeah, even if he's makes healthy no sense. enough to
1: play. Yeah, exactly. So they had every intention of bringing him back when he practiced and opened up that 21-day window. Um but with him not being activated today, that obviously signaled the end of his season. Uh at some point he was feeling hundred percent on that foot. He suffered a setback, re aggravated that injury during that practice window. Now he needs surgery and is going to miss the rest of the season. Um, I put out a tweet about him suffering a setback. No one seemed to really like be like, okay, yeah, this is legit. Jerry Dulac put it out while we were recording the uh, fantasy football show right before this. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He, he's, he re it. He's, he's injured. Uh, you know, this is awesome. How many, t- how many times are we going to talk about this? But, hey, hey, you don't have to listen and watch this show. I don't care. I'm just saying. You, ha- I'm you have media
0: personality in your Twitter bio. Nobody cares. Exactly.
1: That should be enough. I don't need the check mark. Media personality should be enough. But, like, here's the thing. Going forward, I want people to understand this. I mess around on Twitter a lot, so I get it if people think I'm, like, being sarcastic. It would never be something with an injury related or something like that. Uh, if I'm putting something out there on social media, it is 100% something that I've heard. So going forward, if you see me say something about the Steelers, it, it's it's accurate. I wouldn't put it out there if it wasn't.
0: And if you see me say something, <laughs> it's not accurate. It's just my opinion.
1: Um, all right. So, yeah, this, this kind of stinks because, like I said, maybe, you know, a, a guy like Gunnar Osheski is safe on the roster now because of something like this. Um, even though you would think, like, when healthy, that's Steven Sims' return job to have. Um, but Calvin Austin, he, he would have added an element to this offense that we just, we haven't seen. We talked about it before, you know, like that home run threat, he hit the ball in his hands and he can score a touchdown from anywhere on the football field. Once he did it into his hands. Uh, now how would Matt Canada have used him? I, I so I get that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I want Matt Canada gone yesterday, but <laughs> if there's anybody that like could make sense in a Matt Canada offense, it might've just been Calvin Austin. So it really stinks that we're not seeing him get his feet wet this year, at least and getting some games under his belt. Cause now we're going to go into next season having no clue what this guy is. So it's kind of unfortunate, but it's where we're at. We know for sure. Now he's not coming back this year.
0: Well, with all the talk of a chase Claypool trade and we never thought it was actually going to happen. Now we're definitely happy that it didn't happen because you're not getting your fourth round pick back. Um, but, yeah, as far as Calvin Austin goes, it's a shame because I, I was kind of excited about what he could bring. I know preseason, after we drafted him, something that I, I talked about that I really liked in him and that's an element that I, thought, I think a lot of people didn't really think of when they thought of Calvin Austin was that not just is he the speed guy in open in like open space, but I think that he moves so twitchy and quickly that in the red zone or in goal line situations, he's hard to cover in man. And, and so I, I feel like his route running in those scenarios could have been tough to uh, keep up and something that really not any of the other wide receivers really have. The only one that can kind of create separation in that tight space is Deontay. But even then, I don't think Deontay uses the same quickness and twitchiness that Calvin Austin would have brought. And so it's a shame that they don't get that into the offense, but... Yeah, I just thought it was funny to bring up for a week and a half, it feels like two weeks, people have been talking about Chase Claypool trade. Even mm. though I don't think you and I have put any stock into it. I mean, we talked about it last week. It doesn't really make sense for the Steelers to do that. But mm. it, it's good for the Steelers that that to happen now. And, and in, in hindsight, that they never were even really thinking about trading him because otherwise, <laughs> I mean, who would your, your wide receiver three would have been? Well, it's Miles Boykin,
1: (laughs) right? Yeah. I, I, so I brought up that I had heard that they were definitely listening in the off season, this past off season, you know, when they took two receivers, a lot of people thought he was going to be moved. And I think, I mean, what I was told was if they got a second round pick, they probably would have done it. Uh, They couldn't get that. I think teams were offering, you know, third round and below for him. Um, now, I don't know how many teams they had conversations with. I don't know who those teams were. I don't know if those have been, been revisited at all since the season started. I think Calvin Austin's injury like one day before their first preseason game might have changed their their tone, you know, if they were willing to engage teams. Um, but I just I don't think it would ever line up. You know, I think the asking price would be way too high to do it. And I don't think teams are willing to pay that. I don't think that he warrants, you know, an ask of a second round pick plus. You know, like people are yeah. throwing around like the CMC I mean, type deal. Second round but pick is
0: where he was taken. You're telling me he's equal value to when he was taken in the draft on. Just, I don't think you know, so.
1: one year, one year and some change exactly. left on that deal. So I don't think so. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so either. But for the Steelers, I think that, you know, that's the type of value they would have to get just because you have a rookie quarterback that you need all the assets around him to help thrive. And you don't like you said, you know who becomes your de facto three if you do move him. And, and Miles Boykin is such a different type of skill set um, from him. You know, Miles Boykin is a, is a boundary receiver, has no experience in the slot. You'd have to play Pickens in the slot, and he's really not even that. Like I don't think of Miles Boykin as a, much of anything else other than a special teams contributor. He's a very good one. And he's a really good blocker as well. So I guess you could say that too. But you know, in terms of him, you know, running routes and him being a threat in the passing game. I I don't see it. So Chase Claypool kind of needs to be on this football team just to help, you know, Kenny Pickett's development along the way. And that's really what this season's become about. Um, So yeah, Chase Claypool, I don't think was ever getting moved from the time that the season started. They can revisit that again in this offseason, you know, where he still does have one year of control. And I expect them to be willing to listen. Um, But again, you know, I'll keep saying it. it, my, My most likely scenario is he plays out his rookie deal and then walks at that point. So.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think the same thing.
1: Um, the other thing to talk about with uh, today's practice is T.J. Watt returned to practice. So while we had bad news on the Calvin Austin front, T.J. Watt's 21-day window now opens up. This kind of aligns with, I know I was throwing, a sh- not really throwing a shot at Jerry Dulac, because by the way, he still beat everybody else in the media in terms of putting it out. So shout out to him. But um, he had put out weeks ago that T.J. Watt was expected to return following the Steelers bye week for the Saints game that is 100% what is going to be happening here. He's not going to return against Philadelphia. They just opened up this practice window. They got to activate him right around when that Saints game is. So it lines up perfectly for him to return at that point. I know we've had conversations on here, you know, like how much sense is it going to make if they, if they lose to the Eagles who, don't have a loss yet this year, um, where it puts the Steelers at two and six, does it make sense for TJ Watt to come back? Or should they just sit him for the rest of the year and let him get 100% healthy? Now we can have that conversation, but the Steelers and TJ Watt are not like he is returning for that game 100%. And also, you know, going through and looking at some other things, not from just like a win loss perspective, the amount of snaps that Alex Highsmith has played this year has pretty much already surpassed his rookie season. Um, So like, you need to take some of the burden off of this guy. And you know you haven't obviously gotten a ton from Malik Reed, but it would be nice to have him as like that <laughs> rotational guy as opposed to being a starter. It's just they're going to be more competitive in football games. And I know like you know, say what you will if you want that to happen or don't want that to happen in terms of what it means long term. i I'm I can see the the both sides of the coin, but again, this is not a conversation for the Steelers or TJ Watt. It's a conversation for the fans to have on if they want him to come back or just get healthy in what's pretty much a lost season.
0: Well yeah, my opinion on whether they should win games or not means absolutely nothing to the Steelers. So yeah. but taking my opinion completely out of it, of course, you're going to want TJ Watt back. I mean, look mm-hmm. at the look at the defense whenever he's on the field versus whenever he's not on the field. It is night and day completely different and, and it's amazing how one guy can make that difference. and I, I get it. he's an all pro. he's he is the best of what he does. But it's still amazing that e- even when you have everyone else on the field, TJ makes that much of a difference. I I think in terms of being competitive, which we know the Steelers want to do, even if they are two and six going into the second half of the season, I, I don't think that there's going to be any question whether you would hold them back. We, we know that. And they're going to make it a more competitive team on defense. I, I-, I think that. And, and granted, when we're going to talk about the game against Miami, but the, Miami, the defense gave them a chance to win, and I think it was a solid performance overall from, from the defense, especially in the second half. But moving forward, I, I think that if you add T.J. Watt into the fold again, it, it makes the defense even more competitive than it already was. And I, I think that moving forward, with the offense you're struggling with, you're going to need those defenses a la like 2019 to really yep. just kind of will you to wins if, mm-hmm. if that's your goal. And I, I think in the second half, there definitely are some more winnable games. The first half definitely was, I feel like, front-loaded with a, t- a lot of tough stretch. But there's going to be some winnable games in the second half, and the defense is going to kind of have to will them there based off of what we've seen from the offense mainly and TJ Watt is definitely going to bring that defense to a next level especially on the on the front seven because at times they've shown that they've struggled struggled to like get to the quarterback and i think that changes completely with TJ Watt on the defense because you can't just focus on everybody you have to kind of double cover TJ cuz single covering i mean you basically get let him get to the quarterback every single time
1: yeah leaving one guy on him you might as well just have him unblocked give him a free run at the quarterback. Um, But yeah, it's weird because like it it always goes this way when the schedule first comes out and you look at it and then you start playing games, but like the Ravens though, you know, they still haven't played them yet. They look very beatable. The Colts, they just made the switch from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger. And like, who knows how that situation is going to go. They haven't been good. The Raiders. I, I can't figure them out. Like there's weeks where they look like they could beat anybody. And there's weeks that they look like the worst team in football. Uh, on the reverse side of that, like Atlanta looks better than I thought that they would have at the beginning of the year. Granted, they don't throw to Kyle Pitts or Drake London, so I don't know how they're winning football games. And Carolina, who I thought would be relatively competitive because I was like expecting Matt Roll was going to kind of turn it around. I d- don't necessarily think like Baker Mayfield is a world beater, but I thought he would have a little bit of a bounce back, not being he was dealing with that shoulder injury like all of last year in Cleveland. But yep. it's just to your point. Following this Philly game, they got a lot of very winnable games on the back of the schedule. Oh, the Saints, who they have right after the bye, you know they're they're very beatable. Um, A lot of games following this bye are very winnable, especially when you factor in what this team looked like with TJ Watt on the football field in Week One against Cincinnati. Who, by the way, they still have to play a second time. Um, So, yeah, who knows how the rest of the season is going to play out? Uh, We will give predictions for what we think is going to happen against Philly later on. But I wanted to also mention. I don't know what's going on here. No sergeant steelers notes again this week. I'm guessing he went to sleep early because of having to wake up early on Monday. No, I actually I actually Sunday.
0: know what he was doing. Uh he he, he did oh, not wait. go to House of the Dragon. He did not go to sleep early. I talked to him on the phone on his birthday, actually. And he told me that he was not going to be watching the Steeler game because episode 10 of House of the Dragon was coming back. I'm surprised Joe lower the, didn't do the same thing.
1: We got to lower the standard. Yeah, I, uh, I i had my i had my bar up here for Sarge Steeler's notes. I can't, the expectations have been lowered. They got it. Yeah,
0: no that that is that is the sole reason why is because of House of the Dragon episode ten. He's that's, letting the people down. I'm let down. I am let down. I'm but, on that. Also, thinking about the schedule in the second half, there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. division games as well. You play the yeah. Bengals again. You play the Ravens twice. You play the Browns twice. Like. I know it's two and five. I shouldn't. I sh- still. I shouldn't be thinking about the division. Yeah, but but I kind of can't help it because our division kind of sucks.
1: Yeah, like I, I think Cincinnati has started to right the ship a little bit, but like I don't think it's out of question that like the division winner ends up being like nine and eight.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think Cincinnati has the chance to. Basically, go on a run and turn into kind of what. Oh, well, anybody last year. in the
1: division's going to, it's going to be them. It's yeah. Yeah,
0: but the Ravens have looked very mediocre overall, and then the Browns are the Browns, and then eventually they're 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 going to get uh Deshaun back, and I, who knows what the team's even going to look like
1: with that? He hadn't played football in such a long time. They're yeah, also yeah. listening on a lot of players, though, here before the deadline. Now, we know how the NFL trade deadline goes. You hear a bunch of smoke, and then not a lot really happens. But we've seen two pretty Dude. big trades already. So, not, who knows?
0: Yeah, the, the two trades, and that's a lot for an NFL trade deadline, I feel like. But mm-hmm. That's just the one comment before we move on to this Miami game is the NFL trade deadline is so underwhelming compared to the other two sports that we talk about. Yeah, it, it is such an underwhelming time. It's just but, so
1: it's it's so weird. I don't know why it's that way. But even like bad teams, like with expiring contracts, still aren't just looking to move those assets. It's it's weird. Like, you know, that guy's walking in free agency, yet you just he plays out the, the deal.
0: It's a pride thing. We took this guy. It's a, we're going to they're the captain and they're going to stay with their sinking ship.
1: Um. Steelers do lose to the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football to fall to two and five. Um, this is a very competitive game. I mean, let, let's start with uh, we'll start with the defense side of the football because the way it opened up was kind of what I was worried about. Like the Steelers tried to come out in some soft zones. Tua was picking it apart. You know what Jalen Waddle and Tyree Hill could do. Excuse me, Raheem Mostert was running the ball pretty well. He actually scores the opening touchdown on that opening drive. But Miami just went down the field so easily. I was like, oh. Here we go. Like, there's no way that Pittsburgh can get a shootout. And this very well could get ugly. Like, I'm not saying, like, Bill's week ugly, but it could have gotten out of hand based off what that first drive looked like. But then, you know, the Steelers made some nice adjustments. They p- ended up pitching a second-half shutout on, the, on this Dolphins team. Very high-powered offense. Tua actually was graded as, like, one of the worst quarterbacks this week, which if you watch that first drive, you'd be like, oh, wow, how did that happen? And also, right. not a ton of pressure on him either. So this was really about what the secondary was able to do in the second half. Um, Again, you know, I don't know how many times I got to keep talking about these guys, but the Steelers have a top three safety duo in the NFL. And I don't think I could be convinced otherwise, even if you sit here and name some other ones, Um, what Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds do for each other, you know what they do individually. I don't think it can be overstated how good they've been together. Um, Terrell Edmonds, we know is obviously playing for a new contract. He's making less money this year than Marcus Allen for the Steelers. So, we know he's motivated to get a new deal. I'm really hoping it's in Pittsburgh um, because I don't want to break those two up right now. And and as they head towards the prime of their careers, that's the thing is I I think that there's another level even to what they're doing as they, as they get to the prop because neither one is in their prime yet. So I am excited to hopefully watch that safety duo continue to play together, but the Steelers also got some cornerbacks back in this one. Akella Witherspoon was the one that didn't return, which I know when we talked Last week, he actually like fully practiced on Wednesday, which is the day that you would have typically be held out. But they were obviously being very cautious with that hamstring. Um, I would assume that he comes back this week. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, they got the bye week after this. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. we will wait and see on that. But they got Levi Wallace back, although he got banged up in this game. They got Cam Sutton back. Really, the, the defense played very well. I guess the only negative thing to take away is they dropped four interceptions. I mean, Tua wanted to throw an interception so bad, and the Steelers just i tailored this entire game.
0: Yeah, and, and even Tomlin said as much when he asked yeah. about the difference in the game, is that the the Dolphins were able to catch their interceptions and we weren't. That uh, That's the only, the really really gripe I have about the defense is that, and then I thought Arthur Millette kind of got picked on a little bit early on in the game. But it didn't seem like that was the case in the second half as much. But the, after the first quarter, the last three quarters they only held the Dolphins to three points in a second half shutout. It's really hard to complain about the defense when you put a performance like that. And kind of like what I was saying before we even talked about this game, the defense was giving them a chance to win the game. They they yeah. were definitely holding their own, and it kind of this game was very reminiscent of like a 2019 effort where your defense is doing mostly everything right to win you the game besides catching the interceptions and the offense just isn't able to get it done. Um, but defensively I, I I was really just impressed with the effort in the second half, especially like I said, holding them out and, and shutting them out with two of being back and they have waddle and they had Tyree kill. I mean, I, I know they, they let them get some catches early on, but really in the second half, they didn't really do much like Miami mm-hmm. offensively. So yeah, that was impressive um i i I like the secondary i would have liked to see some pressure on on uh
1: two more especially coming back you know from a two-week hiatus
0: yeah yeah for sure but hopefully i mean we're we're gonna get some more pressure and i I feel like maybe not this upcoming week but after this bye week once tj gets back i feel like the front seven in general is just going to be a lot different I I feel like they're going to be getting pressure on the quarterback more, because you have the TJ element. But then with TJ just naturally being on the field, that means less guys blocking everybody else. So I I, I just think it's it, the the pressure is going to be coming. But as as far as the defense as a whole goes, the secondary has been making up for the lack of pressure as well. They've been been able to stay with some of these guys. Um, I I, I hope that. We see, and, and this isn't even talking about this game. This is a little bit in the future, but just talk, while we're talking about the defense, you actually tweeted about it, hoping to see like DeMonte KZ with oh, yeah. Minka and, and uh, Edmonds on the field all at the same time. I think that'd be really interesting with KZ coming back from his injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw what they wanted to do in the preseason before KZ broke his wrist. What, the, you know, the different three safety looks they wanted to throw at teams. People have been clamoring for, and I've been one of them, uh, Robert Spillane to not be on the field. You know, in passing situations, that is the path to that happening is having all three of those safeties together on the field. And I think that's what the Steelers want to do. So I don't think it will be against Philly um, that Casey returns. It, it sounds like they're gonna be a little bit cautious. He has been practicing, but they don't have to activate him until after uh, the bye week. So they can wait until the bye activate him that week and get him ready to go for the Saints and you know him and TJ like it sort of looked like an entirely different defense when they returned from the bye so mm-hmm. uh, i'm excited um from that aspect for sure um but yeah i mean this was this was tough because like you said the defense just kept giving them chance after chance to put points on the board for the offense to put points on the board and it just didn't happen so um, we can flip the script now and talk about the offense, which, you know, week in and week out, this is something that we are complaining about. Um, but I think the difference here this week is we can say um, that Kenny Pickett definitely didn't play well in this football game. You know, you take the offensive coordinator out of it, take the playmakers out of it. Kenny Pickett objectively did not have a good game on Sunday night. This is part of the growing pains. You know, I don't care that he was a 24-year-old rookie who was the most pro-ready guy in the draft. He is still a rookie in the NFL playing a position with the largest learning curve from the college to pro level. So he games like this are going to happen. I guess the unfortunate part of it for me is I would have rather have had a game like this happen against like Buffalo where no matter how he played, he wasn't going to give him a chance to win as opposed to Sunday night where it's like you're literally with the ball in your hands with like 30 seconds left you got a chance to win this football game and he he throws that pick um, where you know he has like 10 more yards of grass in front of him and then he can get out of bounds stop the clock and have a couple more shots at the end zone um, yeah. but these games are going to happen so it's unfortunate um, that it happened in a close game like this where they had a shot at the very end but it doesn't change the way that i feel about kenny pickett's future you know i was putting out some tweets like trying to give a little bit of hope, like, hey, it's not all been bad, and people were taking it as, like, me painting only a beautiful picture, even though I literally started out the first tweet by saying, like, Kenny Pickett has had his share of lowlights so far. People literally just skipped that part of the tweet, read everything else, and thought I was saying this guy's, like, a top-five quarterback in the NFL. It it hasn't all been pretty, but I definitely thought it came to, like, a a bottom on Sunday night for sure. Um, Not saying this is even the lowest it's going to get, but he was not good on Sunday night.
0: No, he wasn't. But this kind of showed to me how this fan base and NFL fans in general are just so spoiled when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. They just want them to be the franchise quarterback immediately. And it's it's not like I don't believe Kenny is not going to be our franchise quarterback. It's that even franchise quarterbacks go through growing pains, which makes me come to my other monitor for a second. And I just want (laughs) to go through some quarterbacks that had some interception issues as rookies. Troy Aikman mm-hmm. had 18. Carson Palmer had 18. Andrew Luck, 18. All his rookies. Matthew Stafford, who won the Super Bowl last year, had 20. Um, and then the the f- f- or former Steeler himself, Terry Bradshaw, had 24. And Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all time, holds the record as a rookie with 28 interceptions. And also... That was in an era where they weren't throwing the ball. That's much. what I was going to say is most so, of those
1: guys too, like other, like luck obviously was different. Yeah. But even like Stafford in 2008, they weren't throwing the ball like they do in 2022.
0: No. So anybody who is like trying to make a big deal about Kenny throwing interceptions, yes, in the moment it sucks. But we all knew this was going to happen when you're starting a rookie quarterback. And I am damn sure that I am going to want to have the rookie quarterback making mistakes and growing from this over a guy like Miss Trubisky in at quarterback. I'm sorry. That, that's that's I would much rather have this happen than starting Trubisky because it's probably going to happen with Trubisky in any way. You're, like anybody. what What is the other option? People like wh- wh- you want Trubisky in the game. You think that he was going to win the game. D- like do people honestly think that that was that was the alternative? It sounds that like Trubisky that, yeah. starts. I I don't have any reason to back that up. I don't have any reason to think that's the case. The second half of the week prior against Tampa Bay, who cares? That is one half where Mr. Bisky had no pressure in him. If he was a starting quarterback, I bet he goes back to jittering Mr. Bisky in the pocket and he is throwing interceptions, throwing incomplete passes, doing the same thing that Kenny Pickett did on Sunday night. But I would rather have the rookie playing. And just because a rookie is making mistakes does not mean he's a terrible quarterback and won't be a good quarterback. I just named quarterbacks that any of us would love to have as a franchise quarterback, but mm-hmm. it didn't I think you are gonna
1: mention Josh Allen's rookie year because, like, that's the thing is everybody wants Josh Allen right now in the lead, but no one won, no one wants year one and year two Josh Allen. Everyone wants the Josh Allen that they're watching play football right now, and I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett's gonna become Josh Allen. I like no, absolutely not. I would not. Yeah, we're not give him that. He's gonna ceiling. be better. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, you <laughs> just said it on the show now that everyone can see see and hear. But uh no, it, it, but like that's not the point of of that statement. It, it's that players are allowed to grow, players are allowed to get better. And these are things that typically happen to rookie quarterbacks. Uh rookies in general. Josh Allen's
0: rookie year, he started good. in 11 games, played in 12, and he had 10 inter- mm-hmm. 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions.
1: Yeah, and it was one of the least accurate quarterbacks in his first two years. 52 point eight percent accuracy. Yeah, and you know that was kind of the the point of me putting out the thing about the uh, complete expected completion percentage, just because that goes to show as well that, that the playmaker is not helping him out all the time. Also, you know, only three turnover worthy plays, but seven interceptions, because the interceptions that show in the box score aren't going to account for Chase Claypool just falling down or Chase Claypool putting the ball into a defensive back's hands literally against the Jets where the ball going between Deontay Johnson's hands right to somebody. It's it's not going to account for that. It's only Kenny Pickett that is going to take that hit yeah. in the box store. So Kenny Pickett was not good on Sunday night. He's a large reason why they lost that football game. He had a chance to win it, couldn't do it, but it doesn't make me feel any different about him going forward.
0: Yeah, and I know there was some, someone in particular in the media that said, Canada still wasn't great, but Canada oh, yeah. isn't the one that was throwing in the interceptions. I don't fully understand that. My simple question is: What's your alternative to anybody who's questioning Pickett on on Sunday night? What's your alternative? Like, it's not like we can just say like, oh, we don't want to start Kenny Pickett, so here's Patrick Mahomes. Like, we don't get that luxury. We don't. We don't have that. It's like we can I, go I, to yeah, a I better mean, quarterback. I,
1: I... I, you, we've legitimately, see, or at least I have, I mean, there was definitely tweets saying to go to Trubisky or that he should have been the one starting in the first place after the second half he had against Tampa. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's definitely out there that people think Trubisky is the better option. I And this is why, you know, Donnie posed that question to us last week about did the Steelers back themselves into a corner by going to pick it too early? And people having these questions or stating that about Trubisky, is the exact reason why I thought it was a legitimate question. Because if people feel like Trubisky gives them the best chance to win football games right now, and the Steelers have already gone to Kenny Pickett, and we know they can't just keep bouncing back and forth here. That is not the way to develop a rookie quarterback. Um, then there is an argument that, yeah, they went to him too early. But again, I'm not of the belief that Mitch Trubisky is winning them football games. I don't think he changes outcomes of the – he's not that type of guy. He's not going right. to turn the ball over. He's fine, but he's not going to win you football games.
0: And who really cares what you, me, or anyone else on the internet thinks? Mike Tomlin has made it very clear if Kenny Selfie, he's playing. So if Mike yeah. Tomlin, the head coach, says, this is our quarterback, this is a guy who is going to give us the best shot to win the game, I don't really think it matters – what anybody else thinks
1: yeah i'd like to think you know if we got into his headset we could have a little bit of input i don't know
0: yeah but we're, we're agreeing with him so <laughs> obviously That's we true. know what we're talking about
1: yeah love you coach uh yeah you're right this program definitely is on the side of mike Tomlin and Kenny pickett remaining the start of this football team um but i wanted to also so i don't know did you see the stat that i quoted about um the number of go routes for receivers, the receivers that lead the league in mm-hmm. go routes, literally. So George Pickens is number one, 102 go route. Deontay Johnson's like third or fourth on the list as well. Jace Claypool brought up go routes literally after their loss to Miami on Sunday night, where he said they're not throwing enough go balls on go routes. So the guys seem to be running them. It's just the ball isn't being thrown to that area. The ball's not being thrown to the middle of the field. It's like, what is what exactly is Matt Canada's offense? Like, you watch it play out every single Sunday, and I can't figure out exactly what they're trying to achieve. It seems like everything is just like a curl or a stop route, Like, and, yeah. and then the guys on the outside just running goes. But they don't get the ball. Right. <laughs> yeah, anytime that somebody actually is running deep, they're not getting the football. They're not taking I, those shots.
0: I, I don't know what his offense is. I I wish I could tell you. I had an idea of what I thought he was trying to, going to try to do with his offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. After watching it for a season and a half almost, I have literally zero clue. And it, it, I I don't understand it. it. For a while, I was thinking, why aren't they throwing to the middle of the field? Now I am convinced and people can prove me wrong. I, I just don't think they, their routes go to the middle of the field or at least where the, the catch point of the ball will be. I just – I don't think that they run people through the middle of the field where they're going to catch the ball.
1: Yeah. I mean, Friermuth had some catches, especially like that one-fourth down conversion that was in the middle of the field. But, yeah, like I, I've been as frustrated with anybody about Chase Claypool, but there's plenty of times where you go back on tape and watch, and he's wide open in the middle of the field. So I don't know if it's like not the point of emphasis for the offense. That's supposed to be like the last read, and that's what they're telling Kenny. Kenny doesn't want to throw that. It's just so weird, like – looking back on what he did best at pit and it's being completely ignored in this offense. It looks nothing like what he should be doing. So it's very frustrating. Oh, there was something I wanted to bring up earlier when we were talking about the defense, but it also kind t- ties in with the offense. So I can bring it up now as well and then um, see what you have to say. and We can move on. But I was listening to uh, the Pat McAfee show today, which AJ Hawk is on uh, as well. And he was, so this was a c- topic about, Uh, call or no, it might have been yesterday, but either way, it was a topic talking about uh Iowa College. So not even at the NFL level, but I thought that this could tie in, and I could ask you this and see what people thought too. So going into their, they got blown out by Ohio State this weekend. But going into that game, the defense was only allowing eleven points per game, but they still they have four losses now in the season. So that shows you how bad that offense is. AJ brought up that it doesn't get talked about a lot. But he started to question how much animosity there would be between the two sides of the football, like in that locker room, whether that's coaching staffs, players, all the above, saying, you know, like the defense is playing lights out and you're getting nothing from the offense. Do you think there might be some of that going on with the Steelers, too? Like, man, we're giving up less than 20 points a game and our offense is just they're leaving us out to dry. We're losing these football games because they can't get in the end zone.
0: Oh, I I bet there is. And. Listen, I, I know st- people on the Steelers and people on any football team, they'll never say that. But I, I feel like if you – whenever I watch Cam Hayward, he's not a guy that is disengaged when the offense is on the field. He's watching them intently. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's, he, he's, like, upset with the offense or pissed off with the offense or whatever. But when I watch him watch the offense, because I'll show him on TV occasionally, to me it just looks like he has the face of, you better do something this time. And, and I feel like the defense as a whole probably could have that mentality, especially in that game in the second half. Like, yeah. we're shutting these guys out. You got multiple times that you can drive down the, the field and score, and you're not doing it.
1: Well, yeah, Pickett throws an interception with what, like just over three minutes left? And they still got another possession after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect example. Like I just think that naturally happens. And and like like you said with Iowa, if you're giving up eleven points a game and you have four losses, of course the defense is gonna hate the offense. I if I wasn't on that defense, I would too. Like you're we're giving you the world and you're giving us nothing. You're throwing it back in our face. That's essentially what happened on Sunday night with the Steelers is the defense was putting them in a situation to win the game several times throughout the game, put up some points and the steelers could not get into scoring position even even for field goals i mean i know i know the game like they, they scored uh like one field goal i think in the second quarter but the second half both offenses were shut out in- including the steelers and so not only was the the steelers defense playing good but i just i don't even know if the miami defense was playing that well i just think the steelers offense was playing really bad and so that would be frustrating as a defensive player watching that happen week in and week out. And honestly, who's who does your animosity go towards? Does it go towards the players? Does it go to the towards the play caller? Like, are you really going to be that upset at a rookie quarterback for making mistakes? Because, yeah, I mean, he's at the NFL level. You want him to perform well. But I feel like players also understand, like, you're a rookie. You're going to make mistakes just like we do. And so mm-hmm. – who is that animosity animosity if you're the Steelers defense who would you focus that on because I feel like some of the players like it's not as warranted as it would be on say like the play caller for example right
1: yeah That's so why I included players and coaches like I think that it's just I don't know this is what losing sucks like when, when you're losing everything's bad like even if they were winning games like all the 2019 when they like were eight and five at one point, still not scoring a ton, but like the defense was just that good. I still don't think the defense would be like looking at it like, oh, it's the offense, like the offense stinks just because they were doing enough to win them football games. So I I think, you know, the team record obviously plays into that too, but I don't, I haven't heard anything about, you know, that type of thing going on between the offense and defense. It's just when, when AJ brought that up about Iowa, I started to think like, oh, could this be something going on with the Steelers too, just because it's such a similar scenario you know, with the yeah. offense and defense, you know, the defense not getting the support.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, winning masks all problems, apparently. If you think about it, anytime, say there's a there's a game that you score or you win like 45 to 42 or something like mm-hmm. that, super high scoring game, super unrealistic for the Steelers, but say you win a game 45 to 42. Your offense scored forty-five points, but your defense still gave up forty-two points. But because you win the game, who cares?
1: That's funny. That was the the exact score of when the Jags beat the Steelers in the playoffs Oh really? <laughs> yeah. 45-42. Um all right. Well oh, crap, there was one. Oh, I wanted to mention uh, Aditi Kikabalo was on 937 the fan and was asked about Matt Canada's status. Um so Pony tried to paint it differently than what she actually said. So I guess what she actually, he was basically asking her if she thought a change at offensive coordinator could happen in season. And she said she thought it was possible, and especially, like, if it were going to happen, it would probably happen after Philly. Remember, I mean, we mentioned a quarterback change being most likely because of the mini-buy from a Thursday night game to the following Sunday. They actually yeah. have a bye week now. So if it were going to happen, if something were going to happen in season, it would be following this Philadelphia game if they have another game where they just do absolutely nothing on offense, do you think there's any chance that we see Matt Canada fired before their next game?
0: I'll answer your question with a question. Okay. Who would be the play caller?
1: Yeah, it would have to be Mike Sullivan.
0: That that that's my question is like is the next guy up going to do better? And if so, then sure, but if he's going to be the same thing, I don't see a reason why they're, they, they would do it in season and they would probably just ride it out and get to the offseason to do it. Because unless yeah. you think the person – because they're not going to bring somebody out of the franchise to to come in mid season to call plays. So unless you think somebody on that offensive staff in-house is able to call plays in a better light than Matt Canada is, I don't see it happening in midseason.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm – Of the same mindset, you know, like, is it possible? I guess. Sure. It's kind of like the same way that I'm viewing the Claypool situation where it's like my most likely scenario is Canada rides this out through the rest of the year and he's just not retained the following season. So, yeah. All right. So let's completely switch gears now and talk about hockey. Big Pagans program uh they get wins against the kings and jackets they lose to the oilers and flames not a great the start flames the, a surprise
0: uh... game we we i i only looked to monday when we looked on the schedule recording last week oh, i didn't even okay. think to look to tuesday in my head and so mm. normally we record on tuesdays i had no idea that they were playing
1: on tuesday because i only looked to monday yeah well they didn't have any clue either uh to start that game so <laughs> that makes a lot of people that didn't know that they were playing um Let's start with those wins against the Kings and Jackets, Um, you know, kind of just continued on with what we'd seen here in the early portion of the year uh, where they were playing really good hockey, Um, you know, and, and in that Kings game, something that obviously a takeaway, Jake Gensel gets hurt, some friendly fire from Chris Letang taking a shot up around the ear. Uh, so he's missed the following three games since that. I don't think it's going to be like an extended absence. He's been on the ice. So obviously it's not like a concussion or anything like that. It's just obviously something with the ear, like it hit him in that area. So it's just a weird thing um, that yeah. he's been dealing with. So I wouldn't expect him to be out much longer. He could return as early as Friday. So, um, but yeah, they, they played really two strong games against the Kings and Jackets, the Jackets. They didn't start out great in that game either. I think that's probably been the theme of the season is the starts that the Penguins are getting off to. They just, not getting up for the beginning of these games, uh, but they rebounded nicely against the Jackets, found their game, still ended up scoring six in that one and got contributions up and down the lineups. And then they go to this Western Canada trip, Edmonton um, and Calgary. Edmonton, they, they started out okay, actually had a 3-1 lead in the game at one point, and then things really went south. They just stopped playing defense. They That second period might be either the second period or the first period against Calgary the following night. Those are the two worst periods of hockey they've played So far, this very short season, but everything kind of just went wrong. They couldn't, they couldn't, we're spending no time in the offensive zone, just chasing around the puck. They actually make a little bit of a lineup change for Calgary. We see Chad will come into the lineup and Sam Pullen make his NHL debut after Jason Zucker takes a cheap shot from former Penguin, Cody Cece in Edmonton. Um, But what are your takeaways here from, from these four games And uh, I know that we were feeling really good about the Penguins, you know, the last time that we talked Has your mindset on that changed um, with with what we've seen these last two.
0: No, I mean, a couple bad games and a couple bad periods and a couple bad games is not going to really change my mind on the outside of the team as a whole and what we've seen so far. I'll go Mm -hmm. back to the Kings game first. I think that was a total dominant performance. It, it was a great game overall. That's a good
1: team, too. So,
0: yeah, that is a really solid team. It actually beat Tampa last night as of recording this. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's a solid team that they beat. And then the, the Penguins kind of just really laid it on them. Um, it, it was, that was nice to see. We, and we, we saw, uh, some like Jeff Petrie got a goal, so which was nice. Jeff Carter got a goal. Um, so. It, also, Ryan Paling, Ricardo Kell, and Jan Ruda—all the like multiple new guys—got goals in that game. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. The Blue Jackets game—it was nice to see them come back um, after being down two nothing after the first period. Uh, they got it tied at three three, I think, entering the third, and then they scored three goals in the third period. Also, after that Blue Jackets game, I don't know how a Penguin fan can look at Danton Heinen and not think this is a diamond in the rough when it t- comes to looking at that contract that he's on. I am so happy that he did not get signed for like three and a half million or whatever was going to speculated that it was going to be. And if we have him for $1 million on a one-year deal, I assume that the penguins, if he keeps this up are going to want to lock it up before he keeps doing it even more, because at that point then he's definitely going to price himself out. But from what we've seen early on in the season, Danton Heinen is on a steal of a contract. Um, and then moving to the Western Canada road trip, I mean, we're halfway through it. The Oilers game, I don't, even though the Penguins had the lead, I don't think they were playing overly well at first. I still think they, they were basically kind of just winning by the skin of their teeth. And then in the second period, the Oilers really laid it on. And yeah. I'm thinking between the two, the first period of the Flames and the second period of the Oilers – I think I will take the second period as the Oilers as the worst period they've played so far this season. And honestly, the worst period I can remember them playing in a while. It it yep. was bad. Mm-hmm. They were completely hemmed in. They just looked and felt completely flat. I don't really know what happened. Maybe they just like lost all energy traveling to Western Canada and had no effort whatsoever. It was a really bad performance overall. Although in the two losses, despite the goals that were scored, I don't think that either of the goalies played overly bad in those games. I just think the team in front of them were playing pretty bad. Like Jari against Edmonton and DeSmith against Calgary. Sure, there's Mm -hmm. some goals that you'd like to have back, but I don't think overall the goalies were the worst part that was on the ice. Um, And then the Flames game... You you get you go down two nothing in the first period. Malkin gets his goal, but then they answer right back like a minute and a half or two minutes later, whatever it was. And and so th- that's really tough. And then they just again they just kind of felt felt flat. They didn't really have a much step in their game. Looked a little slow. Not a, not a great effort overall. But in the Calgary game, Poland made his, his debut, which was cool to mm-hmm. see. And another thing is like he looked like he belonged he didn't really look out of place yeah. in the nhl i thought it was an overall pretty decent showing in his first nhl game he did have the slashing penalty um but he also got his first point on the Malkin goal which is really cool to see and this is a guy that we've talked about for a couple years like when do we think he's going to make his debut made his debut because of jason zucker and Gensel being out um and also it was pretty funny that his parents got there like midway through the second period because they were on a flight from ottawa or whatever yeah. but uh yeah. So that was that was cool to see. But overall, I mean, out of the four games, two really good games, two pretty bad games. But it doesn't really change my mindset on the Penguins moving forward. I, I still think they're a really good team. I just think they had a really couple bad periods overall in these last couple ones.
1: So I guess my feeling on the team is they're perfectly fine if no one gets hurt. When you have guys like Jake Gensel and Jason Zucker go down, I mean, two guys that are playing in your top six, that's going to hurt anybody. I just don't feel like the Penguins have the depth to account for that. You know, like Evan Rodriguez isn't walking back through those doors he can just put up and down your lineup and and go play, and it'd be like a seamless transition for him. You know, you're relying on guys like, all of a sudden, Brock McGinn's now playing on the third line, and he shouldn't even be playing on the fourth line, in my opinion. Um, you know, Dayton Hyden had to step up and play in the top line, Uh, capacity. And that looked really good uh, for the first game. Um, And then all of a sudden, you know, they had Carter playing second line wing and moving Pullin pull into center. I don't know how things are going to shake out here when everybody's healthy. um, But my point here being that I think that, you know, if they were to avoid major injuries, I still think that this is a really good team, but it really goes to show you the lack of the depth that they have when somebody in their bottom six is missing. And another point you mentioned Sam Poland, I think he's got to stay in the lineup. I mean, between Brock McGinn, Josh Archibald, and Ryan Paling, I don't care what you do with any of those three, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Sam Poland should be should definitely be playing here, you know, when Zucker and Gens will come back. I don't know how the lines shake out, if that's the case, because obviously, oh, Teddy Bluter too. I would probably just let Carter play wing. I mean, if you look at his metrics this year, that should probably be the case anyways um he just cannot handle that defensive responsibility of playing center at this point in his career so i would probably have it you know crosby gino bluder and Pullin. maybe even pulling as the third and then bluder as the fourth but those as the four centers and and figure the rest out because to me paling archibald mcginn i don't care what happens with any of those three Sam sample has got a spot in the lineup for me every night uh,
0: i don't mind either I, I I don't think that even with the cap hit, I don't think Brock McGinn has really shown that he deserves to take the ice. And overall, I mean, what his Ryan Paling and Josh Archibald, not that either one has played terribly. It's if just, I'm
1: picking like, one, it's Archibald out of those three to stay.
0: Yeah. And, but, but I mean, even guys that are in currently in Wilkes-Barre right now, like I would rather give like Redeem Zahorna a shot of being a full time in the NHL. Drew O'Connor. I mean, there, there's a uh, guys. Yeah, just keep naming them. Go ahead. But, <laughs> <laughs> there's multiple guys that could, that could take that place. Um, but, yeah, I I think I would probably put Pullin as a third-line center um, and, and keep Bluger in the fourth line. I just think Bluger is really good in that role. And I'd keep Pullen in the, uh, the third-line center and put Carter on the wing with Heinen as well. A couple things about the defense now in these last couple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Dumlin has shown that he is still the bad defenseman that we thought he was and yeah. despite a few good games to start the season, he's still a bad defenseman and Chris Letang and him don't look that great together and I think it's time to split them up I don't know if Chris Letang is going to allow that but in my opinion that doesn't matter to Chris Letang, it is my opinion that they should split them up now what I would do uh, good question, I have no idea, honestly my first inkling would be to test out poj and chris letang together that's what i think would make the most sense but i don't know what i would do honestly besides that and another thing about the defense Rue Weedle should if he's going to play and he needs to play on the right side
1: (laughs) yeah that was a rough go for him and his uh his return to game action for the penguins but to your point like okay so prior to the edmonton game i thought poj looked pretty solid it was kind of trending in in our friend uh, he's been on the show before I've been on a show before. I don't know if you were ever on with Doug Lackey, uh for checking TV, their show Have you ever been on I there with I, them.
0: Yeah, I think I have.
1: Okay. All right. So me and him were texting about this, like POJ was kind of on this trajectory this year where we felt like this is the way to move on from Brian Dumoulin after this year. I know that there's been some talk about a contract extension. Please don't do it. This is the time to just cut bait after the year, send that contract but, extension into the sun. Okay. If there is anybody that is going right now on the left side that is going to end up playing with Chris Latang going forward after this year, it's Poj. So I I'm hundred percent on board with that. But then you look at like the fallout from that. You don't want to break up Pedersen and Petrie because if they've had a good pairing so far in the start of this year, it's probably those two. Um, and then you look at what that would mean for Dumoulin and Ruda together. I mean, that just I'm not so sure that that would work out. You ha- you're talking about two players that I know that Ruta's actually had a decent start to this year offensively. Hey, that's goals really for just,
0: Jan Ruta, okay?
1: Yeah, don't yawn when Ruta's on the ice. I made a meme, and, and Doug and I have been sending it back and forth to each <laughs> other every time he does something. Um, but those are two guys that really, you know, they're shot suppressors. They're insul- typically like what the strengths of their game should be. They're defensive defensemen, and, you know, I'm not so sure that that pairing would necessarily work out Listen, so, maybe
0: maybe you just do what Nashville did in two thousand seventeen, where you have two pairings play like a combined forty-five or fifty minutes, and then you have your last pairing play ten minutes, maybe.
1: Yeah. But the thing is the third pairing right hand defenseman's been fine. Young Rude has been pretty solid. All I, right. I,
0: even better. This is think... this is what you do. This hear me out. Brian Doomlin is a two time Stanley Cup champion. I'm talking to a lot of NHL, NHL GMs right now. Yeah, Brian really Doomlin is a two time Stanley Cup champion. He has mm-hmm. good character. He's got good effort. He brings a lot to your team. You're going to take playing on Brian a top pairing for a long time. He's a, he's a top pairing defenseman. Look at what he made Crystal Tang. Crystal Tang didn't have that talent until Brian Doomlin showed up. Okay. You're going to take Brian Doomlin and you're going to trade him. And that way your defense can look like because you can bait a GM into doing it. I don't think the yeah. penguins are going to do it, but you could definitely bait an NHL GM to doing it. You, yeah. you whiff around that. He's a two time Stanley cup champion and has good character. He's good for the locker room. They will throw something at you to get him, And so you could definitely do it. And then your defense looks like you have Latang and Puget on the top. You keep the Petrie and Pedersen pairing on the bottom and you have Jan Ruta and Ty Smith. Like we've always wanted on the bottom. And there you go. Your defense is fixed.
1: I like it. You don't have to convince me. The thing is like, it's really, it seems like the only defenseman that's currently on the roster right now. Well, it, it sounded like they were kind of dangling POJ there for a while too. Like right at the very end before the season with the, when they were in like the waiver crunch. Um, but really it's been Pedersen. Like that's the only name that's playing right now that we've heard that they were trying to move or there was a bunch of rumors swirling around like Brian Dumoulin. We've been bringing his name up, but has the team even thought of that? Like, I, I don't know that the team is even considering moving him.
0: Probably not, because the team loves him, even though he's bad. They're talking about contracting session instead of moving him. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I just, I understand that the t- people that work for the Penguins are smarter than you and I at hockey. But whenever we think he's bad, Jesse Marshall, who's the analytics person, thinks he's bad. And Danny everyone Shire. else on Twitter thinks he's bad. Danny Shirey thinks he's Danny bad. Danny
1: Shirey woke up. Yeah, he's he woke I, up and noticed.
0: I don't know what the penguins see in Brian Dumoulin. so what, what, what's, what's the holdup? Like why I want someone from the penguins to explain to me analytically why you're keeping him around.
1: Uh, it wouldn't be an analytic answer.
0: So it'd be everything that yeah. I was trying to convince the GM to take.
1: <laughs> exactly. That would be their pitch. Oh man. I don't know. But yeah, that does seem like the best path forward um, for sure. But. I just I don't see it happening. I think that what we've seen, with the exception of POJ gets back into the lineup for Chad Ruedel, that's the six that I expect to see. So yeah. they're going to have to figure it out. I just league.
0: hope I hope Latang can play better despite Brian Dumlin's faults. We saw it last year. I mean, Latang had a career year. Latang was playing year.
1: well himself through the first like two games. He had the highest games. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. NFL.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that Latang's definitely capable of playing well despite Dumlin's lack of efforts i mean no, no not not lack of efforts just bad efforts you're just a bad player i'm sorry
1: you know say i don't know i don't know if it's effort but it's not been good so um but all right tyler mentioned at the beginning of the show the links to the GoFundmes. those will absolutely be in the bios of this show wherever you're watching or listening that is really cool that you can do that on the audio platforms as well to give you a quick little rundown of things rocking around the 412 is in year five First four years, we've raised over $20,000 of the mission um, where we literally raise every single penny to go to families in the Pittsburgh area, buy them toys, electronics, clothes, art supplies, makeup, whatever they want, we get it. And we also provide the family with a $100 gift card for whatever their local grocery store is to go and get groceries to provide that holiday meal to Tyler and I never had to worry about a Christmas growing up. And the mission is to make it that way for as many families in the Pittsburgh area as possible. Going along with that, um, the Isla Keen Fund. Isla Keen is somebody that we're going to be helping out with rocking around the 412. There's also a GoFundMe that goes directly to providing for her future. She lost her father in a tragic accident at the beginning of October, and this mission has raised already close to $33,000, which is absolutely great. The link to that will be in the GoFundMe. The link to that will also be in the bio of this show wherever you are watching or listening. It is on GoFundMe, and you can search Isla Keen Fund. Um, as well, if you're on if you're on Twitter, if you're not on Twitter, it's very easy to find on GoFundMe.com. You can just type that in. You can also type in "Rocking Around the 412" and find our mission that way, or it is our pin tweet on Twitter. Wherever you're watching or listening to this, like, subscribe, leave us a five star rating, all that good stuff. Let us know what you want to see on next week's show, future shows, whatever it might be. Leave us your opinion on anything that we discussed on this show. Other than that, for Smitty, for Tyler, this has been Around the 412. As always. Brought, if you're watching this, I can point to it. Tyler can point to it as above him. Brought to you by Keats Barbershop, located in East Rochester, PA. Shout out to Keats. Uh, we will see you guys next week to talk about. Oh, score prediction, actually. We got to do that real quick. Steelers. Oh, score Eagles. prediction.
0: Um, I'll say that the Eagles are going to win, um, mm-hmm. but I'll say by a score of. 20
1: to 13 oh holding the eagles to 20 that'd be nice um
0: i I like the second half performance against the dolphins okay
1: yeah i do think that the eagles can can do some different things than the it's it's very different from the dolphins offense but it's also very explosive um i'm going to say eagles 30 steelers 17 okay Whatever. And Matt Canada still has a job. Again,
0: we we always say, "Who cares what we think?" So go beat the birds. <laughs> exactly. Don't do it. Let's talk, also, about, let's talk about upset. Go beat the birds, but also go Phillies because screw the Astros. I saw someone say, like that." The Astros are the most hated team in sports because they made the entire United States cheer for the Yankees in a series.
1: Eighty-seven percent of the U.S. wants the Phillies to win this series.
0: Crazy. Is it out of the question? The Astros are the most hated team in sports right now.
1: That's wild to me, though. I mean, I guess I get it. They well, were. Who the did one you that want were... to
0: win that series? I know you didn't want either team to win, but who did you want to win the Yankees Astros series? Because me, it's Yankees yeah. easily.
1: Uh, so it was. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was easy for me, but it was Yankees. Just because. Don't tell them I said this, but Sarge is a fan of them, obviously. But Garrett Cole as well. Like I, if if yeah. I'm gonna pick between one of the two of them, it's gonna end up being like the side with more individual players i like aaron judge is cool you know i mean there's it it is what it is but astros phillies where with the phillies keep go phillies beat the birds there you go keep keep dancing on your own all right but anyways now we're going to leave and not talk to you guys for another week so go Steelers, go phillies we'll talk to you then bye-bye